your interview today. I'm really glad that you'll be joining us at 3D Heels 2020. Um, so the audience would love to hear more about you and your background. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, I know that you started your career more on the biomaterials and cardiac tissue engineering. I think we're all really curious to hear how you started your journey in bioprinting or biofabrication. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been interested in 3D printing for a really long time, really, since it's been rapid prototyping. So um, when I was a co-op student at a Cornell, I did a, uh, a co-op at this company called Abiomed in, in Boston area, working on these total artificial hearts. And at the time, so this was the late 90s, and at the time, rapid prototyping was being used to create all these mock-ups. And I was just fascinated by the technology. This was all SLA at the time, but the, the resins that they were using were all phototoxic. And I was just really enthralled by this idea that why can't we just use this to build, you know, uh, at that point it was a medical device directly. You know, why do we have to like use this to prototype? But then when we move to the actual device we're going to test, we either have to cast it or machine it or mold it. And so it was really clear what the potential was, right? Mm -hmm. And Right. Since that time, the exact same technology, the 3D printer has gone from rapid prototyping to additive manufacturing, right, entirely because the materials that we're using in these systems and the systems themselves to some degree have yep. now kind of progressed to the point that you can use what comes off the machine. So right. that's really so really since I'm about 20 years old, uh, I've been, really been fascinated with this technology. And, um, you know, it just so happened, right? I started my lab in 2010 at Carnegie Mellon. Yep. And that is literally like right in this window when like MakerBot appeared, right? So these right. FDM patents expired. The, the RepRap community uh, kind of started to grow, right? And then MakerBot really is the company that brought these things to my attention. So really the first uh, 3D printer we had in the lab was something called a cupcake which was uh, made out of like laser cut, you know, wood um, in the lab. Uh, someone had really made a horrible uh, extruder for it. I mean, it wasn't horrible for the time, but in hindsight, it was really poor that could kind of, you know, spit out a paste. And we're just intrigued by the idea of, great. So we know we want to be able to kind of additively manufacture some of this stuff. This technology is now becoming cheap. So we had that, we had something called a, a Fab at Home. It was a project yep. out of Cornell for a while. We played with that. And really I did all this because I had a new lab. Uh, there was actually, you could, you, you could buy this Envision Tech Bioplotter even then. That's been around for a really long time. Right, yep. But even then it was like over $200,000, mm -hmm. which I did not have, right? Um, and so the idea that we could kind of bootstrap um, and the great thing about being at a place like Carnegie Mellon is we've got these engineering students everywhere. Yep. And when I said, hey, we're going to like, you know, build all this stuff from scratch and like, you know, modify the firmware and yada, yada. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I'm like, yep. great. You know, because yep. you know, not everyone is you know willing to roll up their sleeves and kind of get into it. But they really were at Carnegie Mellon. So that was really it's really been great. You know, we have, you know, I think unlike many labs. We've essentially been kind of on this open source based uh, 3D bioprinter uh, kind of platform, if you will, ever since. And uh, really all our publications are based on open source designs. These are mostly desktop grade plastic FDM printers that we modify with our own custom extruders and some other modifications that turn into bioprinters. And uh, that's really what we've been using ever since. You know, I, to me, it's, it's exciting that we published a paper last year in Science 
on a printer that we built for under a thousand bucks. It's amazing. Like, I, I kind of like that. I think it goes to show you that, um, and I think to many people, right, there's, there's so much innovation still in this space. So like, if you can really identify the problem that you see as needing to be solved, you know, very often it's really creativity and ingenuity, I think that gets us kind of these solutions and these step changes and not, not necessarily the need for these giant piles of cash. Yes. So, yes. so at least on the research side, right. I can say yeah. that from an academic standpoint and, you know, and as you know, right, we're, we're now trying to transition some of this into commercialized uh, products, you know, in the bioprinting field, which is still, you know, a very nascent field compared to the rest of additive yeah. manufacturing, which is definitely a lot more mature. For sure. Yeah, no, this is really exciting what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I think you're right that um, the the benefit or the advantage of being in such a great engineering school is the students, right? And they're willing to really just roll up the sleeves and tinker and try things out. And I think that's that's pretty amazing. So I know, you know, for those of us who are in the bioprinting field for quite some time, very familiar with your fresh printing technique. Can you share a little bit of how you came up with that idea? Was it something else you're working on and then just kind of float into that? Yeah, I mean, this was really uh, a project that was driven a lot by my uh, master's student and then PhD student at the time, TJ Hinton. You know, I had really tasked him with the challenge of trying to print, uh, really print hydrogels, yep. right? And there was not a great way of doing that at the time, right? They're soft, they don't support their own weight. You know, we were really kind of kicking around uh, different ideas. And he really had this epiphany about kind of using this kind of gelatin micro particle support. Nice. And, and for those who aren't familiar, the way we do fresh printing uh, is we basically just print inside of like a gel. It's kind of like a hair gel material. And so we can kind of just extrude directly into it and whatever we extrude gets kind of stuck in place. And the reason the support bath we're using is made out of gelatin is that we can print at room temperature and then we just raise this to body temperature and it melts away the gelatin non-destructively again in a way that also wouldn't damage any proteins or cells inside of it and actually the the he started this out by actually just buying the packet of gelatin you have at the grocery store for baking which right. basically has a powder in it right and it's right. you know really rough powder but he basically you know put this into a dish made this slurry printed into it and it kind of worked right right and once it kind of worked and i still remember he showed it to me and he wasn't really that excited about it and then right. i saw and i got super excited because i'm like we can fix the particles. Like I, yeah, there's, we can, yeah. we can handle that. But this basic idea, I'm like, this, this is going to work. Awesome. And here we are, you know, I mean, that was probably in 2012. Right. So it's, it's been a while now. Uh, we had our first paper in 2015 and then another one uh, last year. And, you know, we started the company in 2018. So, you know, it's, you know, even for some, what is, I think a relatively, simple idea you know to keep transitioning it you know this commercialization road is not not an easy or quick process that's for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah 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 no they are definitely that's a great story i think um you know it's pretty amazing how a lot of these materials are actually food-based materials as well that most of us are familiar with from cooking and whatnot yeah. and you know i think that's that's a really great uh, idea that uh Tom has came came up with so that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about this startup Fluidform and what is your vision for for this company? Yeah, so Fluidform is really focused on what fresh enables, which is really three D printing of liquid materials, right? That's kind of the unique thing that we bring to the marketplace by printing inside of this kind of gel environment. We can print a wide range of fluids. Some might gel and solidify right away. 
Some might even take days to cure. We can, for example, print a silicone uh, that you might normally mold, but it'll just stay in a liquid shape for days until it uh, cures, if that's what you want. Um, the vision of the company um, is really focused right now on what we do best, uh, which is the bioprinting and specifically things like collagen and other hydrogels. So we're, we're kind of looking at this in two different ways. One is the research market, which exists today. And there's a lot of great bioprinters already out on the market. I'm sure people know Cell Inc. and Alevi, and there's also uh, uh, you know, Envision Tech at Regenhue and, and, and so on. There's a number of them, um, advanced solutions. Um, we are looking to basically support those existing printers with our fresh support material to basically hopefully make all of them work better. Yep. You know, we, there are almost any extrusion printer is compatible with Fresh. And so we are already, um, so if you go to the Alevi website or the Cell Inc website, for example, you can find our Fresh support material. We call it Life Support available. We also sell through Advanced Biomatrix because uh, the Life Support works really great with our Life Inc. Uh, bioink that's what we use in our science paper um and so you know and we do that because really right the research community today is hopefully the applications for tomorrow right a lot of these tissue engineering and regenerative medicine regenerative medicine applications that we see for bioprinting are still early mm -hmm. right uh maybe they're at an early clinical trial stage most of them are preclinical animal studies you know at best right now and so you know, that's a long pathway, but what we want to do is support that and hopefully, you know, provide better results with fresh so that, you know, people are more successful. Right. Um, you know, from a company standpoint, you know, we're also obviously looking to other, other kind of markets as well and other areas where printing of collagen is, is of high value. Right. And so, you know, some of this is, uh, maybe in the area of like, uh, uh, tissue modeling, surgical planning, right? People are familiar with making a model out of plastic for surgical planning, maybe from an MRI or CT scan. Mm. People are also making these out of, out of rubber-like materials, give a little bit more like tissue feel. Yep. But if we can print collagen, we can actually print something that has the exact tissue feel. Right. Right. And so we're really looking at, at that as an interesting market. It's not really tissue engineering or regenerative medicine, but it's using our same core technology and right. it's actually something that we could look at doing actually today, right? There's, and without uh, also worrying about some of these regulatory challenges, right? Taking a, a 3D bioprinted tissue medical device into humans is a challenging pathway. And so you need to have a solution that has such compelling efficacy and can be produced in a way that generates profit right that you know in order to get the investment you need to order to move that through all these steps and you know i i don't think the field yet has that kind of holy grail of of a of a of a device or product i entirely anticipate that happening i mean we work right in my lab on these little you know 3d printed hearts and all kinds of other cool things that we envision getting to that point but you know um the fda doesn't even really have anyone who's gone through this process yet with a 3D bioprinted tissue construct of any kind. There are a few tissue engineered construct, constructs, but not the bioprinted ones. So that's a scary road to be on first, right? <laughs> it's, it's probably the, the second, third or fourth person on that road that's really going to make it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. If you look at it, just historically getting things like entirely new classes of products through the FDA, it's, yeah. it's challenging. So Anyway, that's kind of the, the vision for the company right now. Right. Um, 
Uh, TJ, who I mentioned earlier, who developed Fresh, she's actually our head of uh, research and development. And uh, we have a number of other people kind of core to the technology development also there, so. Awesome, yeah, yeah, no, that's exciting. I think, like you said, there is a lot of challenges ahead, uh, but you know, some of us have to take the first steps and uh, you know, together, hopefully we'll accomplish great things uh, as a group, as a community, right? So I think there's a lot of exciting things for us to look forward to in the next com coming years, I would say. Yeah, no, I think the future is really bright, right? I mean, this is a technology that is rapidly evolving. I'm really excited to see see where where it goes. I mean, it's becoming so much more accessible, uh, so much more accepted, right? I mean, there is actually some you know preliminary guidance documents from the FDA, right? So yeah, you know that just shows you how seriously things are being taken. Uh, I see so. Yep. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Well, um, one final question is, uh, you know, would you mind sharing sort of some of your early success or failures um, in, in the work that you do that may have changed your approach uh, moving forward, perhaps? Well, um, actually, I mean, I don't know. Uh, success and failure, I, I feel like they're part of the same thing, right? I mean, I think it's, you know, research is really about learning from your failures and then, you know, figuring out, um, what the right path to success looks like. I can tell you that, you know, in our science paper, we had this little 3D printed ventricle. Uh, you know, we, you know, for the longest time, we thought, oh, you have to mix your cells with your hydrogel bioink. Like that's how you bioprint. Like that's how almost everyone bioprints. Yep. And that really was not giving us good results. Mm. And so, you know, eventually, and it took a lot of hitting our head against the wall, but, we, we took a step back, we looked at real tissue. If you look at like say a muscle tissue, how is it organized? Well, you've got collagen at very high density that makes fascia and mm -hmm. other kinds of really almost no cells, almost all extracellular matrix and it helps organize muscle into fiber compartments and kind of organizes large scale architecture. And then the muscle itself is almost all cells, right? At hundreds and hundreds of millions of cells per milliliter. So very high concentration. like. Uh, one to almost two orders of magnitude greater than what most people bioprint with. So then what we did is we actually then took that strategy. So we printed collagen by itself to help define tissue compartments and then changed our, our selling to something that's like two, three, four, 500 cells per milliliter, really, really high. And by doing that is actually when we were able to finally get, um, you know, muscle constructs that we can print and it could function and could beat and do all the things we wanted them to do. And so, it was really, you know, interesting, right? The whole time here we're sitting, we've got these MRI images. We're like, oh, we're totally mimicking nature. And then we're like, actually, no, we're not, right? You know, you know, nature is not a, a, like a low cellular density hydrogel. And so, you know, we, we kind of rethought the process and mm -hmm. we've now applied this to a number of other tissue systems. Right. Uh, you know, none of it's published yet, but like it's actually, it's pretty robust because it's the way most tissues are put together. And so I think, you know, my advice to, you know, people is like, you know, just because you read 50 papers and they're all doing it a certain way. That's right. Don't, don't think that's the way it has to be done. Right. Because there's, again, so much space to innovate. Uh, no, we don't yet know the answers. Right. You know, we're dealing with best guesses. We're, we're trying stuff out. We're testing hypotheses. Um, and you, sometimes it's these little things that you're like, oh, let's just do it this way. And then you realize, oh yeah, that, that really does work. And then that's the thing that, that the next generation builds on and they'll hit the next roadblock and, and so on. So yeah, that's hopefully that, hopefully that's a, 
good little piece of advice. So. No, that's great advice. You know, I always tell my students who who uh, used to work for me. I said, uh, well, you know, don't don't believe everything you read on the paper. You should always challenge every yeah. single thing that you read um, and question, right? Um, because not everything you read is true, and uh, they may need may, they may may need to be revalidated over and over again. So that's definitely a good approach of just uh, challenging things that you you know what is out there, right? That's yeah. how we innovate. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much, Adam. Really appreciate your time today. So uh, we'll look forward to see you in about what um, two months, less than two months' time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm really excited to speak at 3D Hills. It looks like a great lineup. So. Awesome. Right. That's great. Yeah.